This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, we have Steve Bevilacqua of LRP and FETSI Special Education Technology and Law presenters Vincent Verassi and Karen Hayes the Google Tip of the Week, and music from our Featured Artist of the Week. Stay tuned. Edutech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site and this program for those who participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio, brought to you by Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative and Hope Public Schools, both in Hope, Arkansas. How you doing out there? I'm David Henderson. Hey, and I'm Jeff Madlock. Welcome to the show. And uh, man, we've got a great show lined up for you guys today. It's, it's a great show, and not only is it a great show, it, it's kind of our Thanksgiving show. It is kind of our Thanksgiving because, show. Because like next week is Thanksgiving. Yeah, most schools are out. Definitely. The whole week. Yeah, so we're not sure what we're going to be doing. I'll probably still be protesting with the other turkeys. You, I, I, you're, you're protesting with turkeys. Yeah, I think it should be a chicken holiday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll tell you what. I'll hook you up with the cows, and you guys can march around, eat more chicken. Oh, great. Now I'm going to get a lot of just hate mail from our chicken fans out there. <laughs> a lot of chicken mail. Chicken mail. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm afraid to know what that is. I am too. Uh, I could actually. No, I'm not going to no, go there. No, we're not. No, hey, okay. So, all seriousness aside, no, back to the real serious part of this whole show yes. is Fetsy. Yeah. And uh, we're excited. We're going to be at Fetsy. We're going to be doing our spiel yeah. from there. And uh, Fetsy LRP is the company behind Fetsy and a lot of other educational conferences. Yes. And they do a really great show uh, job of uh, making sure everything runs really well. And they've set us up with some wonderful interviews, pre-conference interviews, to let the presenters and some of the uh, the folks that will be there kind of get their word out there so you know what's going on. Yeah, and today is, is going to be great. Um, we're, we're talking with Steve Bevilacqua, and he's with LRP. And then we have um, Vincent Verossi and Karen Hayes, and they're going to be presenting on special education, technology, and law. And I know that may sound like... Oh my gosh, what are they talking about? Law, what's this? You know, generally when, when I, well, heck, even when we first started talking um, and we're getting an idea of what they were going to talk about, 
my, my first thought was, holy cow, this is going to be one of those, you know, don't do this, you can't do that. And it's not at all. Uh, you, you'll see in a few minutes here, um, it, it's a wonderful conversation. And if you're going to FETC, if you're thinking about going to FETC, and, and you have anything to do with special education and technology, I would definitely recommend this session. Yeah, it's going to be a great session because the interesting thing about it is, is it really helps us understand that the purchasing of technology and the usage of technology and integrating in a special education setting doesn't have to be any different than we do already in current classrooms. Right. And, and it's the equity side of it. It's like, hey, let's do it by one and done. You know, let's get it universally done. And uh, when you have someone like Vincent Verossi and then Karen Haas, Hayes on the other side, then you've got the law and the special education know-how. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's very, very cool. And then later in the show, we're going to be sharing you sharing with you a very cool um, Google tip, something really neat that Google has coming on, uh, coming up uh, in early December, and uh, we'll be sharing with that with you later. So lots of cool things. Uh, I don't think we should spend any more time talking about it. I think we should get right into the interview with the guys. What do you think? It's time to rock and roll. So, hey, sit back. This was recorded uh, last week. Uh, they came in and did a wonderful video chat with us, all three of them. We were at Schools Without Walls yeah. in Hot Springs, and so we had this wonderful uh, sit-down and discussion with the gang. With us now, we've got uh, folks that are heading up part of the LRP and FETSI group, and uh, we're going to uh, get them on the line and have them introduce themselves and uh, let us know uh, who they are and uh, what they do, and uh, thank you guys so much for uh, coming on EduTech Guys Radio. Uh, thanks for having us. We're, we're excited to be here, David. Uh, go ahead and uh, why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves. Uh, we've got three of you here, so uh, introduce yourselves and, and tell us a little bit about your background uh, and, and with LRP, with FETSI, uh, how it all ties together, and, and uh, then we'll just kind of move from there. Sure, absolutely. So my name is Steve Bevilacqua. I'm an editorial director of education technology uh, for LRP publications. And for those who don't know, um, LRP does now produce uh, the National Future of Education Technology Conference. And so my role uh, really is, uh, in, in terms of our discussion today, is really just to ensure that we have a real quality program, uh, particularly on the special education program side. Um, for those who have kind of been checking out our agenda online, we have five key program tracks this year, um, early childhood, educator, administrator, IT, and now special education. So I'm just really excited to be able to um, roll this out. Um, you know, my, my background here is in terms of, is really just producing content and conference programming for high level pupil services administrators. And so for FETC, that's really what we're trying to do here. We want to pro provide just a program track that not only appeals to assistive technologists and educators, but also high level administrators, chief technologists, pupil services directors, special education administrators, to really get all stakeholders involved in the, in the programming. So that's kind of my role, and uh, so excited to talk about the track. And I know we have, you know, really excited that we have both um, Vincent Verassi and Karen Hasse here, uh, yes. because they, as I mentioned earlier, they are both really integral in terms of, um, you know, providing some real good feedback about what the field is seeing, uh, what the trend areas are in special education, and then what, um, what they can be providing in the track itself. Cool. Yeah. Aaron, do you want to do you want to start off by introducing yourself? 
Sure, my name is Karen Hasse. I'm probably going to be the easiest voice to recognize uh, during the podcast. Uh, I'm an attorney uh, from Nebraska. I represent school districts and educational institutions all across the state of Nebraska, and I present all over the country, uh, both on special education issues and on technology issues. Uh, one of the really most exciting things to me about FETC adding a special ed uh, track is that so often we have the technologists in one room and the special educators in another room, but the problem is these are not segregable uh, areas of education. Technology and special ed both should be like pulled across our entire strand of uh, the education environment. And so I just think it makes so much sense. I'm really excited to be part of uh, FETC's uh, strand to bring these two pieces together. Yeah, absolutely, cool. Hi, and I'm Vincent Barassi. Um, I'm a learning disability specialist based right now down in Milton, Delaware, down by the uh, sunny beaches of Southern Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> Spent most of my career though in New York and Northern New Jersey where uh, my background is in both gen ed and special education. I'm a former special ed administrator and I was a director of a program for college students with learning disabilities for many years and fell in love really with um, technology and particularly assistive technology back in those days when I was at the university because there's just this tremendous need and until very recently a tremendous lack of understanding and knowledge of technology and how it could be really used to to help kids with special needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, and to that end, um, since, you know, since that has been your background, <coughs> Um, what are some of the things that you have noticed uh, or, or some of the things that you are really excited about that have come about in terms of the advancement of some of those technologies for uh, special needs? The thing that excites me the most is that what we were calling assistive technology for the past up teen years is really out there in the mainstream as technology that people are just using. Um, years ago when we were trying to um, introduce things like Dragon Naturally Speaking mm -hmm. uh, to middle school and high school age kids, it was this unknown thing, you know, and, and plus it was also very difficult in those days to train it. And so you had kids with disabilities who couldn't read, having to read scripts. Right. But, but we've gotten so far beyond that because software like this has been used in business for up teen years. Uh, busy business executives were dictating and having things typed and then having someone else do a final edit. So the fact that with iPhones and other smartphone technology, we've got built-in voice recognition. We've got built-in uh, text-to-speech features, uh, to just name two of the things, makes it more palatable, I think, for the kids themselves. They're not as self-conscious about it. And I think teachers who we're afraid of what this thing assistive technology meant for them. They're actually using it themselves and don't even realize sometimes that this is stuff that can transfer to education and for their students having difficulty. Yeah. If I could just piggyback on that, we've yeah. uh, the focus on in the community of education writ large is leveraging technology to give all manner of kids the most uh, greatest range of education <clears throat> possible. For example, in my state, we're very low population, high geography. 
So we've had one-to-one -one initiatives in my state for 10 or 15 years. If you put a laptop in every kid's hand or an iPad in every kid's hand, the kid with autism suddenly is on the same foothold as the kid who's typically yeah. developing in terms of being able to use texting to communicate, being able to use social media to form relationships. So everybody's getting a leg up by us leveraging technology and special ed kids probably uh, get the best benefit out of it, but it's not just for special ed kids, we're leveraging this for the benefit of all students, which I think is really cool. Absolutely. You know, I think what, what I really take from this that's really exciting to me at FETC is the fact that it's now a track in line with the other tracks, with the administration, with the educators, because as, right. as, as former IT guys, I was a band director forever, you know, for, as <laughs> classroom teachers, we need to know about this stuff and we need to understand its importance right in line with everything. I, it, it, currently, I'm looking for assistive assessment pieces for my special services department. And, you know, FETC has taken the, the forefront now to say, listen, this is important across the board and we need everyone to understand about it. So that's a really big deal. I, I mean, this is a great move by FETC. Well, we appreciate you saying that and we're excited about it. And as I mentioned, you know, um, a couple of the sessions we're really excited about is again getting um, stakeholders from across the aisle talking. So we actually have one session, really cool session, where we have um, a CTO and a special ed director co-presenting on ways chief technologists absolutely need to, can, and must be collaborating with their pupil services department. You know, a lot of times they're speaking different languages, and so uh, we have a, a session focusing on that, um, providing universal access to instruction. Uh, again, some high-level issues where you know, obviously educators, we're going to provide the bread and butter of how to use technology in the classroom, but we also want to have some, some other issues in terms of strategic, strategically selecting and using technology uh, to help students with disabilities access core standards, um, uh, managing caseloads, special ed caseloads, um, managing staff. Technology just comes into so many different facets there, so we're excited to bring that. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things we see is that um, the, is that the documentation end of, of special services of is 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 really heavy and technology now has made that so much easier to keep up with the data because they have, in my opinion, three times the data that you know the other educators are dealing with and it's hard for them to keep it all together and this is the perfect place to start to highlight that and showcase that so that they, they know what they can go out and ask for and what's out there. It, right. Vincent was right, they just didn't know that it was out there, I already had this information and this technology right in my, in my grasp. Right. Well, what's it, I'm sorry. And I'm sure Karen, Karen and Vincent hear that a lot from you know, uh, their clients and just in terms of the overwhelming um, data load there. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to have Karen and, and Vincent talk again about um, their contributions to the program as well, because another new feature of FETC, I think not everyone will know this yet, is that we're bringing a legal component there too. Mm -hmm. So not only are we pro providing some of that practical application tips that you've always sort of had at the conference, um, Karen and Vincent are, are co-presenting on amazing things that you can be doing um, with EdTech without exposing your district to legal liability. And so I'll let them kind of talk a little bit about both their co-presentation on uh, assistive technology and then kind of their side sessions. But, you know, really the legal angle I'm excited to bring to the conference as well. Yeah. Well, Vincent, do you, do you want to go or you want me to? Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know what? Let me, let, me, let me set it up and then you can, you can hit the home run. Perfect. Um, you, can go, you can go in for the slam dunk. <laughs> well, no, you know, it's, it's, 
when when Karen and I first talked about teaming this up, we were we were doing two different presentations um, last year at LRP, and Karen, you were doing a webinar also on assistive yep. technology and some of the legal implications, and we realized that um, each of our sides was really um, completing the other, uh, because I was talking about things that we can do to uh, determine whether or not to proceed with looking for assistive technology assessments, how districts can start using data that already exists and that they have in their files and, and from functional assessments of students to start thinking about how to use assistive technology and, and what to, to set up for a student. And when you think about that, and then you think about the legal piece, well, a lot of districts get very frightened when these two words appear yeah. together, assistive technology, because usually the next thing they see after that are a series of dollar signs. And um, so, so it's important for, for everyone to, to realize the importance, the practicality, the legality, and also the fact that it can be really very cost effective. And I think for the the legal issues, I don't want to I don't want to step in into that arena because that's really not my arena. But Karen, you want to pick it up from here? Well, I think as far as the spe legal issues with special ed kids, one of the things that I've got to get out <clears throat> educators is the idea that providing assistive technology to special needs kids is not an option. It's not uh, just like uh, the fancy schmancy stuff that only rich suburban districts can do. This is a legal right. obligation on all districts across the country, large and small, rich and poor. Now, doing that in a cost-effective way, in a way that uh, really is effective for students, that's, that's the expertise of Vincent, who knows the curricular piece. The legal piece for me is, you, this is not an option, you must do it. Uh, and now let's talk about ways to do it in a way that is both cost-effective and compliant with the law. Sure. Uh, sure. The other thing that you, most attorneys are Luddites. Most attorneys, when you hear uh, technology, you hear lawyers saying no. In fact, I was part of a online listserv where attorneys, like five years ago, were debating whether or not we should let our schools use Google. Are you kidding me? That, that's just crazy. So, um, attorneys should not be roadblocks to student achievement or to technologists being able to do things in the classroom that they want to do. It's our job to find a way to make this happen, but to make it happen in a lawful way. So one of the side sessions I'm doing is about using cloud-based services. And I bet every school in the country has that teacher who has downloaded an app into her kindergarten classroom or her the band uh, that they're using for some amazing thing, but nobody's thought about what data is the app collecting? Is this compliant right. with COPA? Is it compliant with SIPA? So it's not an attorney's job right. to tell teachers not to do this stuff. It's an attorney's job to tell teachers how to do it lawfully. Yeah. And so that's, that's really what I want to do. And it's why I love partnering with Vincent, because Vincent's saying, here's cool stuff for kids. And then I get to come along beside and say, and here's the legal aspect of it that lets us do cool stuff for kids. Well, and I think that is a very crucial perspective because I know when when schools in Arkansas first started jumping on the Google bandwagon, that was the very first topic of conversation. We can't do this because of student data, and especially with spe special ed student data, and there's no there's no way you can't have this in the cloud. And and it was immediately all these walls and these roadblocks and all these uh, stumbling issues that you know that were thrown up. And then of course over time, as as folks learned how to use the data and understood how the data is used and how it's stored and what is 
Google doing with it and what isn't Google doing with it and those types of things, you know, everybody sort of just, you know, kind of took a breath and relaxed a little bit. And so I think it's, I, I really think it's awesome that that's the perspective you're taking is, yes, I'm on the legal side, but I'm not here to put up the roadblocks. I'm actually here to show you how you take those technologies and use them legally with your assistive students. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the biggest things with the special services teachers that I run into is the fear in their classroom of doing anything because they do not understand the legal side of it. And, and, and this is the opportunity for you guys to let them know, you just are right, Vincent's going to tell them about it, and you're going to tell them why it's okay to do it. And we need that across the country to fix this problem. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one thing I've worked off, luckily, my whole career has been, because we live in such a, a great country and a great society, is I always ask forgiveness. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if I can't get permission, I'll forgiveness is better than permission. <laughs> as, as, as the attorney in the group, let's let's do it right from the beginning, though, so we don't have to ask. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> talk about a killjoy. <laughs> you talk about doing it right from the start, and that's actually one of the messages we're trying to, you know, really get across here is instead of going ahead and trying to retrofit. Um, based on you know purchases you've made, we're really trying from the start, really intuitively thinking about the needs of kids with disabilities in inclusive classrooms, and from the beginning, you know, giving a whole lot of thought to um, how to make the best use of all this amazing new technology that's coming down the pipe. Yeah, and that that plays right into the whole concept of universal design, which is also one of the topics yeah. at the conference, because. Um, I remember at a conference, it's got to be 12, 12 years ago, Skip Stahl, who was one of the founders of this whole concept of UDL up in, um, at CAST, was saying something at a conference where he was talking about, we've got to get this idea of UDL and not just say that special education owns it, the entire school system owns it. Because the idea of UDL is to create an environment in which people can with various abilities and disabilities can all function. And when you, when you do that, you actually have to individualize less. What a concept. Because now what you're thinking of is you're not thinking about a disability, you're thinking of a barrier. Where in this curriculum is there a barrier for these students? And then what do we do about that? Right. And so that's, that's, that's the perfect marriage for Janet and special ed. And just the fact that we're going to be talking about, not myself personally, but just the fact that it's going to be discussed at the conference is really important because there'll be a lot of gen ed people there. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you mentioned UDL because uh, we actually have Dr. James Bashan uh, presenting on that. He's uh, the co-founder of that UDL Implementation and Research Network. So I'm excited to have a couple featured sessions from him. Um, oh, that's great. Issues. Yeah, no, it's terrific. It's, it's terrific. Um, we have spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on technology in the last, let's just say 10 years, um, that's sitting on shelves right now because of the lack of foresight, not through anybody's, you know, malfeasance, but just that you, you know, sometimes we think in the moment. Sometimes school districts find that, you know, on May 15th, there's still X number of dollars left in a budget line that needs to be spent by June 30th. And, and we think about, well, what are some cool things that we can do with this that maybe we weren't going to be able to? And so what happens is um, we, we acquire things, we have some idea of what to do with it, and then we get it. But what we haven't budgeted for 
And this is, I'm a former special ed director here, so I'm as guilty as anyone else. But what we haven't budgeted for often is the training for people to actually figure out how this stuff works. I think for the first generation of technology in school systems, we just assumed, ah, oh, these young teachers are gonna figure it out because they, you know, they all love technology and you know, we don't need to do training. Well, you know, I learned a long time ago, if I'm putting a bay window in my living room and it costs 2,000, I better budget 2,000 for the labor because it's gonna cost me that much to put it in. So if I'm spending $50,000 to introduce some technology and I can't budget at least 10 to train people so that they are comfortable in its implementation, I'm gonna have 50 grand's worth of technology sitting in a closet somewhere. That's right. You got 50 grand worth of boat anchors. Yeah. 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 The sad part is, is that when you budget that 50 grand to, to train on it also, then there's the other time element that comes into play here, which we don't have a lot of time in education. I, I like to say all the time, you only get one third grade year. You know, that's, you get that one shot. But the time implementation is, is that the planning that specializes, specializes that training for that school district or for that department. That's the one that's really, everybody wants steps. And then once we have steps, we can build off of those. I mean, how many times do we think, well, I'm going to put chocolate chips in this, this fudge brownie mix because I need extra chocolate. It's not in the steps, but I'm going to make it better. And that's, it's, it's, it's the time and money aspect. And you're right. Those have to be equal or greater than purchasing the actual technology. Well, and, and I just want to put my two cents in that we need professional development for all staff on using technology, whether we're implementing it in a formalized way across the curriculum or not. I bet you 80% of teachers use social media, the vast majority use both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I bet you half of the legal fees that my clients have incurred in the last 10 years are unprofessional conduct, either by a teacher or by a student. Uh, teacher-student relationships, teachers tweeting or texting or posting inappropriate things. Uh, and so the professional development has to be both for what we're going to use in the classroom, which I agree with Vincent, that's crucial, but also just generalized professional development on what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And kids coming out of college have no better knowledge base on what's appropriate <clears throat> and what's not appropriate than the 50-year-old woman who's posting selfies at somebody's birthday party, right? I mean, it's universally, and it's not kids that are stupid, it's people that are stupid. And uh, administrators have got to do on that for their staff. Right, yes, well, and, and, I, and I think you, you hit a key nail on the head there. Uh, you know, if we can educate them, the more people we can educate about it, uh, the fewer stupid people are gonna be out there doing it. I mean, That's really. Right. That's right. And hopefully a few of the educators will even help those people along, right? Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I want to get back to just strictly assistive technology for a minute, if I could. Yeah, yeah. Uh, part, part of doing assistive technology evaluation is to come up with conclusions and recommendations as to, you know, what does the student need? Uh, and often it has to include training for the student, not just the training when we buy 50,000 for the staff, but, but now we've got a, a, um, a nine-year-old boy who's dyslexic, He's, his reading is two years below grade level, he needs text-to-speech so he can just keep track and keep up with the content that's moving along while someone else may be working on remediating his reading. That could take years, but as you said, we only get one time in third grade. And if we don't get that curriculum and I learn to read next year, look at that big hole I have to fill of all the stuff I didn't get last year. So when I'm concluding an evaluation, and let's say I am doing something with a 10-year-old, 
I know that there's a good chance that someday in that classroom, that 10-year-old is not going to remember anything we talked to him about in that two hours of training that somebody budgeted for. And he's going to have to ask his teacher for assistance. And if his teacher has no idea what that technology is that we've just provided for the kid, she or he cannot help the kid. Right. And now we've got a frustrated kid and a frustrated teacher and a bad situation in the classroom. By the same token, this little 10-year-old boy takes home this new Chromebook or laptop or iPad that the district has given him with some apps. And now he's having trouble at home trying to remember, what did that nice man say I was supposed to do when I do this thing? And now mom can't help and dad can't help or a guardian can't help or a big sister can't help because we don't have anybody in the home who's also trained on how to use that. And the law, Karen, you can correct me on this, but the law provides for training not just the student, but the parent, as well as the staff. And I have gotten to the point right now where I go back and I'm, I'm debriefing on an assistive technology evaluation. If there's training to be done, I want someone from the home, I want either the case manager in school or one of the teachers, one of the students' kids to be at the training so that we all hear it. If it's a 17-year-old high school kid, he's probably going to remember what I've told him, but not the 9-year-old, the 10-year-old, or even younger kids. And, and maybe not the 17-year-old if he's right. got with memory or some well, cognitive deficits. So we need to make sure that wherever this kid is taking this cool little device we just got him with all this wonderful software, that he's got backup. Yes. And the regulations have provided for years, Vincent, you're right. The regs have provided for years that we have to provide assistive technology and support for the use of that technology. Mm -hmm. um, and that support is for the kid, for the classroom teacher. And I agree 100% that it's got to be uh, training for folks at home. Mm -hmm. And we don't teach kids English once in a two hour session. Right. right? So we should not be teaching kids and staff and parents how to use technology once in a two-hour session. Absolutely. The most important stuff happens when they leave the initial meeting, and then they start asking each other, what did he say about this? Right. And that's why it's so important to have that second bite at the apple and sometimes a third bite at the apple. Well, and I want to circle around. This, this is another way in which special ed, assistive technology, and gen ed technology implementation are the same. It's not about the gizmo. It's not about the device or the Chromebook or the iPad or the app. It's about how can we use this thing to increase educational opportunities, whether that's for a general ed kid or for a special ed kid. It's not the device, it's the implementation. If your classroom looks just the same after you've implemented iPads one-to-one, -one, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes. uh, and if, if the special ed kids uh, interaction with the curriculum looks just the same after you've given him an iPad, it's just that the iPad reads it for him. Again, I think you're doing it wrong. You've got yeah. to have that be integrated throughout your curricular approach. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, I, I think uh, this is uh, this is awesome. It really is. And, and unfortunately, um, we're going to have to kind of leave things right here. <laughs> um, but uh, for we continued in January in Orlando. Though, I was right? just going to say, <laughs> those of you guys, that's right. Everybody listening who is who is just, I mean, literally, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat, um, wanting this conversation to continue. It's going to continue at Fetsy in Orlando in January. Uh, and uh, before we uh, let you guys go, first of all, I definitely want to thank uh, each of you for um, coming on to the show and, and talking about uh, special education, assistive technology, 
uh, and, and tying it into curriculum and the legal side of uh, the curriculum. Uh, again, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. Um, I just want to uh, return things back to uh, uh, Steve for any uh, final words, and then uh, I'll, I'll give you a chance uh, for each of you to uh, kind of give us your, uh, your elevator your pitch, elevator pitch uh, <laughs> as the uh, yeah. So uh, we'll start with Steve and, and kind of. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, David. We appreciate it too. And, you know, we're excited this year. Um, you know, I would just encourage anybody to, you know, get online. You can see more about our 12 uh, deep dive workshops in the pupil services track here, the future of ed tech special education track. We have uh, over 20 concurrent sessions just in this area alone. Everything from awesome new inclusive learning technology to, um, you know, really some high level, high, high level topics for um, top tier special education administrators and pupil services directors. So I would just encourage you to check out the, the online agenda and kind of see all the ways we've expanded. Awesome. Karen? Well, I guess I just want to hope to see people in, uh, at FETC in Orlando. I think that if you're interested in somebody who's passionate and practical, I think Vincent and I would be a good combination for that because uh, you're not going to just hear a bunch of theoretical stuff. I think you can tell that we're really interested in how this affects kids' lives. Yeah. Absolutely. The passion definitely shows through. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm batting cleanup here, but I think it's been said already, so I won't try to reinvent the wheel. I look forward to meeting your listeners uh, in Orlando in January. I think it's going to be a great conference. I, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how am I going to see all the things that I want to see because yeah. there's good stuff happening when I'm supposed to be presenting. So uh, we'll figure that part out as it gets closer. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, hey, we hope to see you guys stop by our booth and do some live interviews and tell us how your session went or about your session before it happens, because we'll be broadcasting live from FETC. And so, oh, great. yeah, so cool. please stop cool. and see us. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so, so much. And we'll see you at FETSI. Hey, great. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. We had a great time. Uh, I do want to mention... Uh, just I, I like to tell on myself, you know, we're tech guys. We mess up sometimes. We had finished the interview, and I thought I was, um, I thought I was actually closing one part of the interview, and I shut down the whole thing and disconnected everybody. And I'm so sorry. That was operator. It was a space. tech goodbye. That's what it was. Uh, it, it was. It was <laughs> you're out. Bye. You're See you later. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, uh, we are going to be uh, at AESA in Savannah, Georgia. That's the Association of Education Service Agencies, November 30th through December 3rd. So you can catch us live doing what we do, hey, live online conference coverage. And if you can't catch us there, then in January, one of the best conferences out there is the uh, Future of Education Technology Conference, which will be in Orlando, Florida, January 24th through the 27th, 2017. What a way to ring in the new year. You can actually catch the session with Vincent and Karen there. You can also catch us there live. Hey, if you can't make either one of those, that's okay. Just tune into radio.edutechguys.com on any of those dates and listen to us live from the conference. That's right. You'll be able to follow along by using whatever the conference hashtag is, and we will tweet that out. You can also follow us with everything we do, hashtag ETGChat. So easy to keep up with what's going on. You can stay tuned in, listen to interviews with presenters, with uh, attendees, with vendors, basically anybody we grab off the side of the road. It's a good time. It is. To be had cool. by all. By all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and talking about a good time, we'd sit back, take a little listen to some music while we shuffle some papers and get ready for David's favorite part of the show, the Google Tip of the Week. We'll be right back.
Hey, I hope you enjoyed that music. It always gives David and I some time to shuffle our papers, get ourselves back in the zone, because you know what time it is. Google Tip of the Week. Yes, it is. Google Tip of the Week. Hey, as part of the hashtag It Takes a Teacher movement, Google is hosting a free online conference on December 3rd. Education on Air, It Takes a Teacher, will celebrate educators around the world and allow teachers to learn from each other. 
That's right. At Education On Air, It Takes a Teacher, they'll be celebrating educators and exploring the future of education and technology. Um, so they have a bunch of different sessions lined up. And that again, that's going to be December 3rd, starting at 11 a.m. Central Time. And they're going to have really cool keynotes from change makers and thought leaders from uh, around the globe. Uh, Eric Schmidt, the executive chairman of Google and Alphabet, will kick things off. And that's going to be followed by Dr. Jill Biden, you know, the second lady of the United States, plus many, many more. Yeah, those are just some of the amazing speakers. Now, you can check out the full schedule at educationonair.withgoogle.com. That's educationonair.withgoogle.com. Some of the breakout sessions are Fantastic Feedback Tools for Google Docs, which is led by Eric Kurtz, the technology integration specialist at Spark. And meeting the needs of 21st century learners, Google Classroom, Learner Agency, and Universal Design for Learning, that is led by Claire Hobson, Deputy Principal of Hobsonville Point Secondary School. Cool. Explore Your World with Expeditions, led by Jennifer Holland. She's the Google for Education Program Manager. And another one is a Chromebook for every student at Wheatley Park School, led by Chris Bateman, who is the head of technology and enterprise at Wheatley Park School. Hey, there's a ton of speakers. There's many, many more. Be sure to go to the website at educationonair.withgoogle.com to check out the schedule and register today. And guess what? You can get PD credit. After the event, you can fill out a form to receive a certificate that verifies your attendance at Education On Air, which you can use to apply for PD credit in your state or region. That is awesome. <clears throat> Pretty Goodness. good deal. Good day for December 3rd. And, you know, I tell you what, it would be worth to watch with some of your students. It's, it's just going to be a great thing across the board. Right. Uh, celebrate yourself as a teacher and let the students get a little bit of it, too. You can't beat with people like that. That is very cool. Come on, and it's Dr. It's Dr. Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah no kidding. I mean, that's so, a big deal. So um, one of the other things is it's not just in the U.S. If you are in Australia or the U.K., they also have uh, scheduled events for you guys as well. So anybody, depending on where your time zone is or what time you happen to be up and about, they got stuff that you can do at this event. That's pretty awesome. That's very cool. It's going to be a good time for all. Hey, it's been a great show today. Yeah, man. We want to thank everybody that came on. We want to thank our, our guests. Uh, they're going to be speaking at Fetzy. Um, we want to thank our Google, our artist of the week, our Google artist of the week, our artist <laughs> of the week. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the Google tip of the week. Yeah, man. We appreciate it. If uh, if we're not here on Thanksgiving or the uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, um, hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving out there. And uh, we wish you guys uh, all the best. Uh, and uh, I guess that's it. So uh, I'm David Henderson. I'm Jeff Madlock. You've been listening to EduTech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site and this program for those of participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training 
a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all. But b- don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.